Hello, welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. And I'm Bev. We have a friend. Yes, your first ever friend in the main podcast stream. <laughs> we we needed emotional support for this one. Yeah, so the purpose of this podcast is mostly to confirm that we do have friends and people like us, but also to discuss the movie... What was the movie called? I can't remember. It was that like, forgettable. Oh, it was called The Scourge of Worlds, apparently, which got on my tits <laughs> for the entire film. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a US-UK thing, but we pronounce it Scourge, which sounds better with the word worlds. So I'm sticking with Scourge. Okay. Yes, it was the first interactive D&D movie. With 990 possible stories. But only four endings. Did we find three of them, or does dying horribly not count? We found two of them, because... Die... So, yeah, we found... So the, 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 If yeah. you die, it sends you back and gives you a different choice. So we found two actual endings. Because it went to the credits. But yeah, so the premise is you have the you have the D and D three point five edition characters sample characters from the rulebook. Um, those are the main characters, and one of them is trying to find an artifact that was created by taking all the evil in the world and making it stronger. And then, to the surprise of everyone involved, that went badly. Um, and now they're trying to release it on the world for unclear reasons. And there was an angel for some reason who, spoilers, was actually a baddie. Hmm. Which I, th I think we also coming. Yeah, mostly they're trying to find the artifacts of the incarnation of all evil and using it to kill everyone. Which tends to be a bit of a bad sign. Yeah. For any of you who are talking to angels out there. So this is the fourth D&D movie we've watched and um, we noticed the trend of the less Courtney Solomon is involved the worse the film is the first one was okay he directed and produced it the second one was less okay and he just produced it the third one was garbage and he owned the company that produced it but wasn't actually involved and then he's got no connection to this one at all, and it's shite. I'm still not convinced that this wasn't a PS1 game where the budget just ran out before they could make any actual gameplay. Like, it's very... I mean, it's early 2000s animation. You're thinking Shrek. Put that aside, out of your mind. Think of a Crash Bandicoot cutscene but with yeah. disturbingly human-looking characters. <laughs> yeah, because the thing about Shrek is that it was really cutting-edge. This is two years later, but significantly worse. Yeah, Although like... Shrek does have a guest appearance running the, the tavern. Yeah, there's a generic Scottish innkeeper who is also, like, the best voice acting in it. Yeah, because, like... I can understand, you know, maybe maybe they didn't have the tech to create animations, but the voice acting was really bad. And, like, I don't think you blame that on being in the 2000s. I was in the 2000s, and I could speak words. I mean, 
I feel like the 2000s was the point when people were starting to realize, like, oh, we need our animated characters to actually sound good. I can't find any information on the production of this, by the way. Now, the Wikipedia article is, I believe, something like seven lines long in its entirety. Five lines. Five lines. Two lines describing the format. Um, when it was released, introducing the concept of choose your own adventure, and the director gets a line. That's the whole thing. Like, there's just... But like, I've genuinely, I've been everywhere I could think of and found no information about the production of this. Like, IMDB is literally just a list of actors who don't have pictures Mm. because I guess none of them did anything else. It is entirely possible this film was cast. See, this is is why we got lost at one point. There is a director's edition, though, which has extra scenes and options. I might have seen the director's edition. Sorry, because there was a scene that I remember because I realised that I'd seen and I had in fact seen it before at some different point in the past, where the villain who's the cleric who wants to destroy the world gets his actual backstory. Like he gives his actual backstory, and I can't remember. And it that didn't happen in this episode. We just don't really know why he's doing what he's doing. Well, and I was then. An angel came down and said, you need to find the glowy ball inside the cube because it will purify all the evil in the land, which is technically true because, as we said, it was made by taking evil and distilling it down into its most evil form. In a metaphor for nuclear weapons, I think. Um, a metaphor for something. I think calling it a metaphor is giving them more credit than they're due, honestly. It's it's a sort of like nuclear weapon. I mean, I do think that instead of silos with codes and whatever, we should just have a big glowing door that detects whether you have a heart, uh, which does mean that Donald Trump wouldn't have been able to get to them at any point. All nuclear weapons are hidden behind three triads of the body, the mind and the soul. Don't um, forget the exposition wall. I did love the exposition. Like, I feel like if you're going to have to put an exposition dump in it, have it a magical wall that gives you exposition dump. <laughs> you're saying that like the wall just like opened a, a mouth made of bricks, whereas instead it just had some pictures on it, and then Miley, the elven mage, who's wearing approximately an eighth of a suit of armour, uh, just reads off the wall. Hmm. But yeah, no. In yeah, in the version I heard, I, I watched like his family were killed in a way that couldn't be resurrected, and the angel told him that if he got this thing and purified it, the gods would send his family back. Which is a slightly more complex motivation than his current one, which is wouldn't it be great if I destroyed everything? Oh, yeah, was that? We did a playthrough where we were entirely like on his side for most of it, and we never got that. So that must be the director's edition. Just gives. The antagonist, an actual backstory. <laughs> well, there was that bit where we tried to go back to halfway through instead. Of, we watched it twice to get two endings, um, but we tried to just watch the last half, and we ended up in a place that we couldn't get to while playing it through normally, 
where the angel did describe how she tortured his entire family. And then I zoned out for a bit and everyone was asleep because of poison gas. Um, mm. I don't know if that was the scene you remember or if it was no. one of those flashbacks where everything is blue and glowy. Yeah, it was the blue and glowy flashback. Anyway, so yeah, what it was, was, I mean, it's basically a bunch of very small scenes. And at the end, it's like, do you want to fight this person or not fight this person? And then it plays another scene. It's extremely railroady, which, you know, I can understand that they can't actually make, like, 40 movies. But it's very blatantly railroad. Yeah. You, know, you play it once and you're like, hey, maybe my choices affected the world. And then you play it again and you end up in exactly the same story beats at exactly the same time. <laughs> and it's like, I, I can see how they managed to have... 20 decision points, but only four endings. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I thought we'd actually skipped an entire bit because the first time round there were werewolves or possibly just clerics who were, not clerics, druids who were shape-shifting. Um, and we skipped past that bit and then it forcibly pulled us back into the wolf fight. Yeah, it was just a wolf fight in a slightly different place. Even though they have no relevance to the story, they're just like, you will fight the wolves. Yeah, like... What I it felt it's... like? Is it felt like the DM panicking because you're not a high enough level, but they can't justify just leveling you up, so they're like, and then some wolves appear! Like, it, it sort of captured a feeling of DMing as done by a, like, very inexperienced DM who's constantly panicking every time you don't, like, do the thing they plan you to do. Hmm... Ah, uh, yes, yeah, someone who wrote one plot and thought that you'd do the obviously correct course of action, which we almost never did because it was quite funny to try and reason with pretty much every enemy. <laughs> my favourite my favorite scene has to be the one where you're going through the woods, you're trying to find Barapian, who's the bad, big bad, who does apparently have a motivational director's cut. And you find a literal river of bloods, um, and your paladin could just be go like, "Well, whoever this is, it's their, it's, it's their problem. Fuck them," and just leaves. Like, have yeah, you are we to go? Are we going to talk about how he's the worst paladin ever, Reptar oh. the Lizard Man? <laughs> Absolutely, but I do want to say I said that I didn't want to give the writers any credit, but I looked them up. Basically, they've, they've been working together for, like, 20 years at this point. And I've written some interesting-sounding shows, like um, Mr. Meaty. They wrote an episode of Totally Spies. And then they were also writers on Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's happening there, but I, good for them, I guess. I swear every day they wake up and direct another movie with no like preparation. Um, but yeah. So anyway, the paladin has sworn a like sacred oath to never give a shit about anyone, as far as I can tell, is their motivation. He's just he's just so committed to not helping people. Like it would be better if, if it just never came up, but quite often you go 
like you see the river of blood and go, oh, maybe he got attacked by orcs. And the paladin just goes, he can probably handle himself. Um, and then another bit, the druids who are trying yeah. to keep the crystal safe are fighting a beholder. And the correct course of action is to just say they've made their own bed. We've got to go after the mystical key. <laughs> It's not even done as like an um for the greater good we need to sacrifice these people or something. It's done as well, they were rude to me, so I guess a beholder's gonna kill them. I, he oh, also really flip-flops on whether he's gonna help his mentor, because Baratheon is his hmm. his mentor who picked him out of poverty in childhood and trained him up to be a paladin. And he starts off by going after him for a bounty. And then you get railroaded into letting him go. And then you hunt him down. And then you decide not to kill him. And eventually, if you want the good ending, you do have to just stab him a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, not a it's, it's important to note for this point that the paladin does repeatedly state that he owes Baratheon a life debt. Take this bounty. Yeah, it's not so much a character arc as a character sine wave. Yeah. Sorry, I I interpreted that in my head as he waves around a sign that just says, I'm a paladin honest. <laughs> That's one of those spinning signs. And it just whenever it stops, it's on <laughs> help Baratheon or kill Baratheon at random. Yeah, um, yeah, there's Lydda, who is the rogue, who, as far as I can tell, just does the DreamWorks face. That, that's her personality. Oh, well, she, I mean, she, she does wine, and we get the classic 2000 sass. Do you want some cheese for that wine? <laughs> she's snarky TM. Um, and, yeah, I, I wanted to, like, push her off a ledge about 20 minutes in. Maybe this is why the films are 12. It's not for the, the one bitch in it whose name is Ragdoll the Paladin. Um, <laughs> it's because it will cause you to have homicidal thoughts and you really shouldn't be having those at the age of 10. Yeah, th th it has occasional swear words, which is sort of done with the feeling of someone trying to, like, get a 12 rating. Um yeah, but, I mean, with Lydda specifically as well, though, it's like, she doesn't help. She steals from people that the others are trying to help. Like, there's a point where she ends up dangling off a cliff, and you're like, you know what? She's kind of dead weight. I, okay, no, I think Lydda has rights, because she is right that they can't just walk into a tavern with their zero money and expect to get a bed for the night, and she has a practical way to get more of it, which is a lot better than the arm wrestle that we had to go through to <laughs> when we decided not to use Lydia's plan. Oh, I forgot about the arm wrestle. Well, the arm wrestle is, so the guy is so, so arm wrestling some, I guess, bandits? I assume bandits for, like, money. And the bandits are cheating because they have magic gloves. So what the wizard does is very obviously cast a spell that shoots a beam of glowing light at um, the paladin's hand, at which point he wins. And it's just, it's the most <laughs> obvious cheating I've ever seen. 
there's a later point where she turns Lizzo invisible and she does it feel like this very ob- obvious and loud chanting in front of the villain. See, this is where, where it also fits into being an inexperienced DM because it does just say that you can use an action to cast an invisibility spell and that it has a somatic component. It doesn't say that the enemies will obviously realize what you're doing because it's not their turn yet because they rolled lower in the initiative. Uh, (laughs) There are also... Yeah. Like, it does adhere to strict initiative order. See, that is the wild thing about this film compared to the other three to me, is that... We complained about those ones not feeling like a D&D campaign because they all had a very obvious protagonist. And this is our punishment for complaining. <laughs> this is the monkey's paw we get like for wishing for a game that feels like a D&D campaign. But yeah, like... So, like, the main... So, the main thing... The, the climax of the movie, that's the word for the main thing of the movie. The climax of the movie takes place in the desert. I don't think we're given even, like, a hand wave explanation about why we're in the desert now. No, they're no. just they're in a forest and then they're not. Hmm. Right, there's nothing like, oh, we need to go here because that's where the um, villain is or something. And like, oh, so, so in one of the paths, um, Lydda meets the false angel who doesn't really do much, but does tell her to go help um, Baratheon. And then later on, she's like, ah, I, I, I like the angel person. Um, but then in the path where that doesn't happen, she's still frequently like, ah, I like the angel person. It's not really... She doesn't really... Like, it's not shown how she knows the angel person. Yeah, like, what? because they are... In that path, they are told about the angel by Baratheon. But also at this point, they know he's bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why would you then see this thing that's obviously working with the bad guy and go, oh, hey, you're a friend. Like, as far as I can tell, Lydia's main motivation about the whole thing as well, this angel is pretty. Clearly, she must be one of the good guys. Yeah, um, would you not would- trust glowing Mr. Burns? That's, that, that's who it is. Well, I guess, to be fair, <laughs> I guess, yeah. I bring you peace. Yeah, like, yeah, I guess to be fair, like, that monster is hot and I'm going to do the campaign to try and bang it. It in fitting with a lot of D&D character motivations. Mm. Oh, like, does this make it the first queer D&D film? If you're going to go down that route, though, <laughs> that we should have got the option. Yeah. Bolt to seduce. If we're going to go down that route, though, we should have had the option to smooch the beholder. Like, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think, yeah. I feel what this game needs, what this game slash movie needs, to be really realistic, is a smooch the beholder option. Like, a smooch option for every character. But all of them end with your death. Oh, speaking of deaths, I did, like, we got the bad ending first, where we release the evil into the world, which does just turn out to be a fuck-off massive dragon. And I I like a good fuck-off massive dragon. It does disintegrate us. 
But I feel mm. like the concentration of all the word world's evil shouldn't just be a very big lizard. Like it does sort of have the problem. This is a Dungeons and Dragons world, and you know, it does already have dragons. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure at one point we do see a dragon skeleton, so it's like we've established that they're just a thing. Oh, no, that's after you get the thing of all evil but don't activate it and then put it in your pocket and go off into the sunset to go and have another film to go and bury the thing. Uh, you walk through a dragon skeleton as a nod to the other ending. And it almost winks at the camera. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've, I'm getting the order mixed up because it's very repetitive playing it <laughs> even just twice. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? The yeah, I assume it was meant to be like an evil god dragon, but they should probably have made that clearer. Yeah, it's just is, a dragon. It is Dungeons and Dragons. We we are already aware of dragons. Well, the thing is, like, doesn't the angel lady ride the dragon at the end as well? Yeah. So it's like, it makes it seem like the evil was already released and now it's got a dragon. Yeah, like, it's sort of oh, like the whole yeah. plot was to get a cool romance to ride around on. Which, like, oh. if you want a plot, if you want a bad D&D movie about someone trying to get hold of a dragon, may I suggest the first one, the only half-decent D&D movie... Yeah, full disclosure, for quite a lot of the first run-through, I was attempting to negotiate a Chinese takeaway and may have missed some of the more crucial plot moments like why are we in a forest and exactly what happens to the dragon. Like, if it makes um, any sense. The, the, the answer to those questions is, we're just there. I mean, and it flies away, and it's the end. <laughs> to to be fair to me, the journey of my kung po chicken, vegan chicken, to my doorstep was a bit more thrilling than the journey of these three guys to somewhere in a desert. It was delayed. Too. There was a little map, and um, then I had to send my partner to go and find a bowl. Strife and turmoil, like and wow. then my and then the kung po had peanuts in it, which is a top ten anime portrayal. <laughs> I was say what's a good. I will be honest. I was more invested in that story than I was in playing <laughs> this film. <laughs> just it just now. I kind of want Chinese. <laughs> like it's a it's a game where if I had if there was a skip button, I would be pressing the skip button a lot. <laughs> the true the true concentrated form of evil is MSG. I like MSG. Well you're yeah. right. <laughs> so do I, I just wanted to make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, like, we, we spent two pounds thirty nine on this DVD and I I feel like we did not get our money's worth, honestly. <laughs> no, like it's just like, it's way too repetitive to work as a movie. Like, it's mm. bad as a movie, because they've got to, like, do it so things still work, whichever, you whichever option you choose. 
which means none of the scenes are particularly meaningful or particularly like. Yeah, like I can vaguely imagine like a six-year-old in 2003 getting this and being like, oh, it's like a video game, but also it's a 12, so the six-year-old probably wouldn't get it. A 12-year-old would definitely. Like, I don't, I don't know who this is for. Yeah. I mean, Pencil, can you remember when you watched it? Uh, I was I was small, but I can't remember how small I was. Um, Were you forever scarred by the use of the word bitch and the couple of times when someone gets bitten by an unconvincing wolf? Uh, yes, that is the tragedy that led to me eventually doing this podcast <laughs> to finally get revenge on this movie. Um, I hope you have enjoyed this like prolonged this. therapy podcast. But... Yeah, I think because, yeah, like it doesn't work as a movie because, <laughs> you know, none of the things work. Like everything has to be that it could work on its own, which means there's no way to do a cohesive plot. It also doesn't work as a video game because it's really uninteractive. Like in almost all cases, there's an obvious right choice as to what you want to do and the choice which will kill you. Like, yeah, I can think of maybe like two or three times when it wasn't, yeah, obviously one of these choices is going to result in your death. Uh, I mean, there are over 990 unique story combinations. I don't know how many of those are just, you get the additional orc scene, yeah, and then do the rest of it the same. Well, yeah, because it, it does say that there's like 900-odd potential routes. But there's only four endings, so I, th- I think it's just which cutscenes you get, honestly. The last is just in which order. Yeah, it's, right. it's all cutscene. Yeah, basically, you know what I ever... mean, though? Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Basically, if you ever wanted to play, like, a shitty PlayStation 2 game, but you didn't want the gameplay, you just wanted the cutscenes, this is the ideal movie for you, and I think only you your entire time I mean if you want to watch it with friends and cause an argument that's also a valid use of it and you can use it as a frisbee might be worth £2.37 if you feel like not the £2.39 have... that we paid for it that's still a £2p <laughs> rip off I feel like the only fun way to to like view this honestly would be when everyone's a little bit drunk yeah i think like if you feel you have too many friends and you want to deal with that you can invite them to like play this with you yeah if if you want to swiftly lose a friendship or perhaps swiftly gain a friendship through a shared horrible experience <laughs> yeah it really did just it really did feel like just playing a game with a very inept DM. Uh, so if you take that as a selling point... Mm, maybe watch it before your first DMing session to set the bar really low for yourself. Yeah, yes. it's, it's going to build your confidence as a yeah, DM. Show it, yeah, show it to your... Play it with your players before your first DM session. So uh, however badly you do, they'll be like, well, at least it was better than Scars of Worlds. 
That's what it is. That's its I think you mean it's the session zero film. I think you mean Scourge of Worlds. And then Scourge of Worlds. Scourge of Worlds. Yes. Do we think we have anything particularly more to say or See, this is my problem. I feel like I should do some sort of like actual film analysis. But also, like, you know, like, what is it? Yeah, like, conventional film analysis sort of assumes that there is a plot to analyze, is the issue. I mean, I did teach you all the word Devlin when we watched it, uh, which is the point where the title either makes sense or appears in the text. Which is on the exposition wall because that's where we get literally any information about what's going on, and the rest yeah. of the time we're just sort of doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think the issue is yeah, like all the, like if we're going to do a proper review, it would require like you know we discussed the plot or the character arcs or those kind of things. It just didn't have them. It, it did have some conflict. Like, everyone was annoyed with the rogue for stealing. Yeah, I was, I was listening because um, I think Bev said when we were actually... I, I keep not knowing whether to say playing or watching. When we were <laughs> experiencing... When we were of Worlds. Um, yeah, Bev said it was... It felt like the rogue's player had just done character creation separately and just tried to jam <laughs> jam her into this story. And I think I think it kind of feels like they all did it separately, but only one of them actually got to actually use his backstory. Yeah. <laughs> like again, Bifter, it feels like a bad indie session. It does feel like everyone shows up with their characters with no consideration as to what the plot is or anyone else's characters. Mm. And everyone's sort of like, just just here is what they're doing. Yeah, I want to know how the stick got up Miley's ass because is it installed in wizard school? Is it... Well, actually, both of the elves were pretty stuck up. I mean, I, th I think that may have just been the stuck-up elf stereotype. Yeah, there was oh. an elf... Like, there was an elf druid who sort of the decoy big bad, you know, you think he's evil, but no, he's actually good, except they don't really make him a decoy for very long. Um, he's a decoy for half a scene. Yeah, and then it turns out, then, then they reveal the truth. And he's just... Like, he's trying to get them to help. But he's just really obnoxious to them. And I guess, to be fair, they do walk up to him and just yell, all right, dead elf, which I guess would put you on the wrong foot. But he's just, everyone is such an ass. We have at least continued the trend in official D&D &D movies, though, of there's always a short criminal in the party. Criminal is my favourite word for Hopkins. But... It's just really weird. Like, there's always either a dwarf or a halfling, and they're always, they're always a rogue. Yeah. It, yeah, it, is, it is on brand. It's because they can't reach the top shelf magazines, so they have to get thief powers 
in order to get them down and just go, well, I guess now that I've finished my wank, I'll make a career out of this. Or if it's in the third one, you just combine the sex with the crime. <laughs> yeah, okay, have, so have I, a great time. I watched zero of these beforehand, but based on episode 30, I was expecting a lot more a lot more action, shall we yeah, say. This is the non-sexy, um, like the last one was a gamer's run by a DM who's clearly getting up on this. Yeah, like, I mean... A gamer's run by a DM who was only informed they were DMing this morning. The, the Tome of Annihilation one was very much... It was very different to the others, just because it was very, very horny. And this one is very different to the others, because it has no plot. <laughs> Yeah, like, you can tell that, like, they didn't know how to do a choose-your-own-adventure, so they just made a bunch of interchangeable scenes that could go anywhere. Have I said this? Time is meaningless and space is an illusion. By gold. I mean, you are the philosopher. Yeah. So, to so in a review of this movie, all things are meaningless, nothing exists, uh, this game is shit. <laughs> I and like now I'm even to... more thrilled that Courtney Solomon is involved with the new one that's coming out. Because, like, maybe I'm co I do have I'm convinced of this theory now that the more Courtney Solomon is involved, the better the D and D movie. It's a good game idea. Get Courtney Solomon to just be in your actual D and D game, and it will be great. So, The Peak is clearly a film written by, directed by, starring produced by like just filmed on a gopro strapped to courtney sullivan yeah the ideal gay the ideal way of making the movie is just to yes. like keep courtney sullivan in your basement and demand that she make uh films for you i mean now we've moved the rowing machine out of the cellar it's kind just of not make being him used do just make him do a one-man D, D show one man D&D show, show or lonely <laughs> just set up a table and <laughs> make, make him or her <laughs> or them do an actual play podcast mm. uh, where he has to move to different seats to be the characters is is this and maybe put like, on a full podcast? Is it slightly is it slightly different volumes as he moves towards and away from the microphone? <laughs> That's how you tell the characters apart. Um, <laughs> and yet we've made a better like D and D medium than this one. Uh, in conclusion, it's not very good. So yeah, th thanks for listening to this. For not watching Scourge of Worlds, um, unless you're the patron that watched it with us, in which case, why are you listening to this? You knew it was bad. We can understand if you want a refund. Um, would yeah, um, <laughs> we won't give it to you, but we understand. We understand, but like it is our money now. Um, I hope you enjoyed this confirmation. If you want to be a patron, we have Patreon.
probably bad RPG ideas if you want access to the server where we watched this and bonus episodes in Homebrew. My goodness, that sounds like an amazing deal. For the vote of confidence, Bev. Yep, I didn't get into the server for free by simply knowing the hosts. I assume I will now be kicked out now that my time is done and my usefulness is over. Uh, I request to be disintegrated by a dragon. <laughs> so, thank you for listening, and remember, remember to, have to have a probably, probably bad, bad day. Remember to have a probably bad day!